Welcome to our sermon podcast here at City of Light Anglican Church. We are a new church in Aurora, Illinois, finding a new day in Jesus. We want to see the light of Jesus rise and shine in our hearts, in our homes, and in our neighborhoods. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Father Trevor. I read a story this week about a couple, uh, Andrew and Noreen, lived in Turkey where they were church planting and serving uh, Syrian refugees. Uh, Then in July of 2016, a group within the Turkish military launched a failed coup. They tried to take over the government but failed. And we've got um, some household connections in our church to Turkey. And so I I remember when this was happening and just the concern um, and and some of the issues it was causing. And and, um, after that failed coup, uh, the government responded by arresting hundreds and thousands and accusing them of terrorism. And that included this uh, couple, Andrew and Noreen Brunson. Andrew was really, uh, Noreen was released shortly after that, but Andrew would spend the next two years imprisoned in Turkey. And maybe you remember just the, um, the prayer and the effort um, that went into his uh, release. And in this interview I watched, he, he talked about the, the crisis of faith and the depression that he battled while imprisoned um, in this foreign country for two years. He said this, Many of the biographies I've read of who I would call Christian heroes, my heroes, they show very strong people. And I expected that when I was suffering, I would also have strength. And yet I felt very broken and weak. The Turkish government told him that they were going to give him three life sentences for terrorism. And he said this, it's not that I wanted to die, but I just, I couldn't imagine living in those circumstances for the rest of my life. After two years, he was brought to trial, convicted of terrorism, but then told um, that his travel ban had been lifted. And so government officials immediately from the United States whisked him away to a U.S. Air Force aircraft and out of the country. Um, Within a couple hours of being convicted in a foreign country as a terrorist, he was back in the United States and reunited with his wife. Uh, The Brunsons are one family of thousands and maybe millions um, who have suffered because they were following the Lord. Don't ever believe someone who says that following Jesus makes everything easy and that your life is just going to be blessing after blessing. Following Jesus is the best way, but how often is the best way the hard way? Uh, A pastor in our um, Church family, Pastor Keisha, she uh, posted something a couple weeks ago about, um, you know, the thing that sometimes Christians tell each other, that God won't give you more than you can handle. And she posted it with a quote of someone else who was imprisoned in Turkey many years ago, the Apostle Paul. He says, we don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, which would be modern day Turkey. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Sounds like what Andrew Brunson went through. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises us up from the dead. Praise the Lord. You know, there's all types of suffering that we face, and 
Some suffering is a, just a general suffering, but some suffering is because we are following Jesus. And sometimes we're asked to give our lives what some have called a, a red martyrdom, where we follow Jesus with our very lifeblood. But all of us are called to a kind of white martyrdom where we follow Jesus with a, a death to ourself that might involve a death to our reputation or to our ability to succeed or have achievement or have um, something in a certain field or, or some other thing that we can't have because we're following God's way. Here's Jeremiah who um, had a similar experience to Andrew Brunson, to the Apostle Paul. Here's Jeremiah, who's falsely accused of being a traitor, of being for the other side, who's unjustly beaten and experiences brutality from the state, who's then imprisoned and left for dead. And one of the saddest, most pathetic sentences I think I've ever read, and Jeremiah sank in the mud. Christopher Wright, uh, explaining this passage, says, mud is a much too polite a word for the stinking, slimy, infested ooze that would have settled at the bottom of an urban cistern. Without food and water, he faced the horror of a slow death in the darkness by starvation, dehydration, or drowning. What is it about Jeremiah, knowing the danger that he could be in, knowing the suffering that he is going through or could go through, and so many others like him throughout the ages that lets them stand up to the powerful, the influential, the successful at great risk to themselves for the sake of the word of the Lord, for the sake of following Jesus. What lets them suffer? What lets them do the hard things? What lets them respond to a situation of challenge with leadership and character? And how can we face those challenges in our own lives? when we feel stuck in the mud or when we feel like mud is being slung at us with that same resilience and that same patience. I think the first thing we see that Jeremiah is connected to is he's connected to the word of the Lord. Remember how we started this whole series with the word of the Lord coming to Jeremiah and going, I've called you to speak my word. I've called you to speak my word to the people of Judah. And Jeremiah knows from the Lord what's going on and and what all of these surrounding armies and the injustices, what that means. And so over and over, especially in this section of Jeremiah, he is publicly telling the king and publicly telling his people in uh, the city of Jerusalem where they are not following God's way, where there's injustice and where there's unrighteousness. Over and over, it reminds me of how John the Baptist speaks out prophetically against the uh, ruler in his day, King Herod. Herod has committed adultery, and, and John the Baptist goes, that's wrong. And it gets John the Baptist killed. Uh, I, I don't know if you've seen the show, The West Wing. It's about uh, the staff and the president during a fictitious um, uh, presidential administration. And there's this one scene that I think about periodically, and I wasn't able to go back and watch it uh, to confirm that. So this is my memory of how it goes down. But they're bringing in a new senior White House official. The character's name is Will Bailey, and he's going to be a communications director. And throughout the episode, we see that he has a strong opinion on on a specific policy. And they bring him into the West Wing, and it's his first time being in, um, in the Oval Office there with the president. 
And um, he knows that there's some other people in the room who have a different opinion than he does. And the president turns to him and asks him what he thinks. And he just agrees with the other people in the room instead of putting forth what he thinks is right. And my memory of it is that the president then turns to one of the other aides who's been there a long time and he goes, I thought you said he was ready. And Will Bailey goes, wait, what's going on? And they say, you failed the speaking truth to power test. We wanted to see if you could have a contrary opinion that you thought was right, if you were ready to be able to share that, if you had the courage to do that. Jeremiah passes that test here, doesn't he? A little bit later um, in 38, uh, the king, uh, Zedekiah, he goes, Jeremiah, what's going on? And Jeremiah goes, if I tell you, won't you kill me? And then Jeremiah tells him what the word of the Lord is. We need to be so connected to the word of the Lord. Our hearts beating so in concert with the heart of the Lord that when we see injustice and when we see unrighteousness around us, and that when we're called to speak for those who are being oppressed or for those who don't know the way of God, that we're so connected to the word of the Lord that we don't fear the word of man, that we don't feel what others might fear, what others would, might do to us in a way that keeps us from doing what the Lord has asked us to do. And that is only possible when we are grounded in the word of God, when we know the Bible. Listen, if, if the Lord has... Um, quickened your heart for a specific issue that's going on in our world, you've got to know your Bible on that. You've got to have that heart um, grounded in God's heart. You might have great opinions. You're a smart person, but your opinions aren't going to transform anything. But Jesus is our, God's words are. Far too often as believers, as followers of Jesus, we prioritize sharing our own opinions about things. Maybe they're right. But we wanna share, um, we wanna share the opinion of God that brings new life and that brings transformation and that's found in the word of God. Let it be our source. Let it be the content of our speech. Our public speech as believers is so out of proportion. We use our relationships and our voice and our platform either in person or even worse on social media. And we share um, conspiracy theories or we share personal opinions or we share our own, you know, uh, individual responses to things. And we undermine our ability to share the word of the Lord. Don't let your words get in the way of God's words. And what Jeremiah does here is He's not afraid to be grounded in the word of the Lord as he speaks truth to power. The second thing that Jeremiah is doing is he's also connected to the compassion of the Lord. Not just the word of the Lord, but the compassion of the Lord. What's happening in Jerusalem right now is that the Babylonian army is surrounding them. And God has already prophesied through Jeremiah, they're going to destroy the city. But Zedekiah, the king, is holding out. He should surrender, and in surrendering, he would save the lives and, and save the people of the city so much suffering and death. But because of his own um, uh, care for his reputation, because of kind of a false sense of patriotism that wants to somehow pull a victory out of the jaws of defeat, because of his own ego, he won't do what's best for his people. And he's too afraid of what they would say if he surrendered, that he'd be the king remembered for surrendering. 
He's more willing to preserve his own sense of reputation than to preserve the life and well-being of his people. And so Jeremiah urges the king, you've got to surrender. And when the king doesn't listen, he goes out in the streets and he tells everyone, save yourself. Save yourself. Get out of here. The king is not leading. Have you ever been in a context where there's a leader who's not leading? The confusion that that causes, the suffering that that causes. If you grew up in a household like that, you might feel um, completely unable to act or, or maybe even more likely if you grew up in a household where your parents didn't parent or didn't lead or didn't care um, for the, the things going on, then maybe you feel like you have to do everything now yourself. That's something you can bring to the Lord in prayer and invite his leadership and, and care for you. This is really apparent when these four officials um, whose names Grace so uh, ably interpreted, um, when they come to the king and they go, hey, what Jeremiah is saying is scaring everybody. It's making them want to run away, which is true. It was. Um, we, we should beat him up. We should kill him. We should get rid of him. And the king goes, there's nothing I can do to stop you. Really? He's the king. Of course he could have stopped them. He could have used his influence to stop them. He could have used his example to stop them. He could have used his, his voice and popular opinion to stop them. And he could have used the rule of law to stop them. Of course he could stop those officials. But what does he do? He completely, in secret, does not take responsibility. And he gives license to injustice by his inaction and silence. What happens when a leader ignores or minimizes or doesn't believe or distracts from an issue of oppression? And then Jeremiah gets um, falsely taken in. Listen, of all the things we care about as people who live in this country or as people who have um, family or who have lived in other countries and who care for those countries, it's like our care as Christians is for those who are suffering. It's for our brothers and sisters in the church, and it's for our fellow people in the community who, because of the irresponsibility or selfishness or the abusive power of leaders, are suffering. That is our first care as the followers of Jesus, because it's the place where God shows his compassion. We care about every single life, the life of the poor, the refugee, the widow, the orphan, the unborn, the trafficked, the ones who are oppressed, the ones who are excluded because of race or prejudice, because of culture or because of their class. We're always looking out for the ones who are being hurt in our city and in our country and speaking on behalf of them. And Jeremiah speaks and risks his own life for the other people of the city. Far too often our political words have no compassion in them. But here Jeremiah's political descent is out of compassion for his fellow people. He's connected to the word of the Lord. He's connected to the compassion of the Lord. Finally, his identity is firmly rooted in the kingdom of God not just the city that he's in. The king asked Jeremiah um, in uh, verse 14, 15, is there a word from the Lord? It's a question that shows Zedekiah's own wishy-washiness as a leader. 
He's already received the word of the Lord from Jeremiah and hasn't listened to it and hasn't believed it. And it's been proven true over and over again. But now he asks again. And Jeremiah knows that he could just tell the king what the king wants to hear. Jeremiah knows that he doesn't serve Zedekiah. He doesn't serve that king. He serves another king. He serves the Lord. And he serves that kingdom. That's the king he's responsible to. He's not confused about his true allegiance. It's not to Zedekiah. It's not to the Babylonian army. It's to the Lord, who at the beginning of this book said to Jeremiah, I've known you since you were in your mother's womb. That's who Jeremiah has given his allegiance to. Church, I think the greatest danger in our American political landscape today is that we've given our allegiance to other places. The greatest danger for us as living as Christians in this country is that our identity would be rooted in other things than the kingdom of God. That there's a competition for our identity. That there are other groups and movements that are vying for our identity. That want us to join their team. We have uh, had the word come into recent usage called identity politics. It's when uh, it's a tendency for people to, to join an alliance and exclusively like, like this is my team, that's the bad team, this is the good team. It's like when you watch those sports movies growing up and you've got your good team and they're kind of the ragtag bunch of you know, kids and, and their uniforms are, are a light color and then they play against that team whose uniforms are the dark color, right? It's either like the Chicago White Sox or uh, Norway or some other team, but they wear black and you know that's the bad team and I'm on the good team. Go Mighty Ducks or whatever sports movie it is. And that happens in our political lives. We join a team and then our identity becomes I'm part of that team. And then that identity competes with our identity as the kingdom of God. And that's not new in this country. If you've read any history, if you've read any biographies, I read a biography a couple summers ago, and it got to uh, the first presidential election after George Washington left office. And one side said, well, if you elect that person, then our country is going to be ruined, and it'll be the end of our country. But if you elect this person, then, then they'll make our country good again. You know, it's, 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 those phrases, these like all or nothing, end of the world, end of everything, they're not new. Like, that's, that's American. That's an American tradition. We can't let those other identities compete with our identity in Christ. Amen. And listen, I know it's hard to talk about American politics, that even when we talk about our country and whether we can be critical of its leaders and how to do all those different things, that we get anxious about it and we, we feel emotions about it. We have to make all these caveats of like, yes, I love our, my country and I, there's things I like about my country and I, I, I know... You know I mean, that in itself is a warning sign that we've got too much invested emotionally and identity-wise. We need a, a beware sign on politics as the church in this country. Don't let your identity be co-opted. Don't let it compete with our identity in the kingdom of God. And listen, I've been told, and not 
necessarily by any of you all, but I've been told, and there's this common thing of like, oh, you don't preach politics. You don't preach politics. And I, I get the concern. Let's not be divisive over secondary issues. Um, let's uh, agree to disagree about some of those secondary things. They're not that important. I, I get that. And I get, I get separation of church and state, although um, how that's actually worked in the history of our country is all over the map, as many preachers have uh, politicked for different things. But, but mostly, I think, when we say don't preach politics, we just, we just don't want to hear a, a different politic than the one we like. I don't have a political agenda in terms of right or left or moderate or I don't have an election agenda. But Jesus came with a political message. He came and he said, there's a new kingdom coming and a kingdom has a king. And it has laws, and it has policies, and it asks for allegiance. And as believers, we have sworn our allegiance as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And yeah, we're citizens of this world, and we want what's best for our country. Of course we do. But we don't want anything to get in the way of our allegiance to the kingdom of heaven. And we get worried about questioning our allegiance to America and a message about questioning our allegiance to America. Let's get more worried about our allegiance to the kingdom of God and how the politics of this country might undermine that. Jeremiah says in his chapter one, God tells him, you've come to uproot and replant. And it's highly appropriate for us as believers to go, Jesus, if too much of my identity is wrapped up in my citizenship in this country or my um, uh, being a member of this group or that group, would you uproot it, Lord Jesus? Because I want my allegiance to be yours. Jeremiah gets accused of being an enemy of undermining the uh, agenda and the policy of King uh, Zedekiah and Judah. And that's true. He is undermining the policy. And he's called a Babylonian, and that's why they imprison him. He goes, no, no, no. I'm not joining the Babylonian side. I'm not on the Babylonian side. And I'm not on King Zedekiah's side. I'm on the kingdom of God's side. I'm on the word of the Lord's side. And if the country I'm living in now goes against the way of the Lord, where I'll spend eternity, I'm on the Lord's side. And when we do that, we can expect our country to say, you don't really care about this country. You're not a good citizen of this country. That's not very patriotic of you. You're a, a Marxist, you're a fundamentalist, you're a, you're a Democrat, you're a Republican, whatever, whatever group um, the word of the Lord and the way of the Lord upsets will will have that same thing happen to us. But our goal in life is not to be good Americans or good whatever country you live in. Our goal is to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven, right? And the, being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven will bring righteousness and justice to the community we're living in, which may or may not go against the goals and policies of that community. Our job is never to promote a candidate or a party, but to promote the kingdom of God. 
And American politics, I think, need to come with a warning. Pastor Kenneth Tanner, he's an Anglican priest in Michigan, he, he says this, he says, I want to say this really plainly. It's never the role of the Christian to shill for Caesar, no matter the last name of the Caesar of the day. But it is every Christian's duty to pray for them in sincerity as often as we remember them and in our common worship, and every pastor's solemn duty and unalloyed obligation to make God's demands on the ruler made known to confront the king. And we're called especially to examine and publicly address their care or carelessness towards the poor, the day laborer, the oppressed, the immigrant, the prisoner, the child, the widow, the elderly, the frail, and so on, through all those most precious in his sight. Please see Joseph, Moses, Deborah, Nathan, Elisha, Jeremiah, Daniel, Mary, Jesus, Paul, Chrysostom, Francis, Thomas of Becket, Martin Luther, William Wilberforce, and on and on and on. Don't let this country's politics subtly but drastically undermine your identity as a follower of Jesus, as a citizen of the kingdom of God. We are exiles here. Our home is in the kingdom. When we talk about alcohol, we say, just be careful. Don't get drunk on it. Don't let it control you. And if you're drunk on that, you can't be drunk on the Holy Spirit. Beware of politics. Don't be collected or co-opted. Don't get drunk on that or you'll undermine your ability to speak prophetically to the kingdom that you're called to live in, even as we're called to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We pledge our allegiance too heartily to an earthly kingdom. We miss the heavenly one. But rescue is coming. For Andrew Brunson, it came when our government, thanks be to God, put pressure on the Turkish government to release him. And I'm so grateful that they were able to do that. Psalm 88 says, Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I'm overwhelmed with troubles. My life draws near to death. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. And when we are in the pit, when we're covered in mud and muck, accused, falsely arrested, beaten by the state and killed and he goes down into the pit of death so that whenever we're there he can lift us up Amen. isn't that who you want to give your allegiance to isn't that whose team you want to be on isn't that the kind of king you want to follow don't you want to live in a country where Jesus is Lord we do we live in the kingdom of heaven and we bring that kingdom of heaven to earth here right now where we are when we live as citizens of heaven. And when we point and speak to the ways of righteousness and truth, when we're connected to the word of Lord, when we're connected to the compassion of the Lord, and when our identity is more strongly rooted in the kingdom of the Lord than in any other kingdom. Because it is the kingdom of Jesus that shall never end. And to that kingdom be all the power and all the glory and all the might forever and ever. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this podcast from City of Light Anglican Church. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at cityoflightanglican.org. And now, may the light of Jesus scatter the darkness from before your path.